What is justice? The dictionary defines it as just behavior or treatment and the quality of being fair and reasonable. Cornell West once said that justice is what love looks like in public. Sometimes I wonder what justice would mean to me. I'm not a victim of a violent crime, but the life of a Native woman is to be forever aware that violence is always just around the corner. So justice for me might mean being able to go to my car at night without fear, to take a walk and put both headphones in my ears, to walk to my apartment in the evening without my keys lodged in between my fingers. And for the woman whose story will tell you today, justice might have been being able to be safe amongst her own friends. This is the story of Katina Locklear. So I feel like every week we are pretty much starting off the episode with why men are trash. Sorry, fellas, but y'all need to do better. You know, for me, when we talk, you were talking about safeguarding yourself, Brittany, I thought about when I lived in New York, I was constantly, like if I was out with friends or at a bar at night, calculating in my head, if I left now and took the subway home, how many women would might would be on the train with me versus how many men when I get off the train, the two blocks back to my apartment, how fast would I have to walk, depending on, you know, if it's 11 p.m. or 12 a.m. I always wondered if that's something that men who, you know, are trying to enjoy a night out with friends would always have to think about as well, and I just don't think that was ever the case. They definitely don't have to think about that, and I remember this one time when I went to this little lake and like park area in Huntersville with my boyfriend and it was so beautiful and I had spring break coming up a week after that and I was going to go there alone in the afternoon and just walk around and maybe eat lunch but then I remembered that this is kind of out in the country and secluded and I had this realization like Brittany you cannot go to a park alone you know by yourself and it was just a bad feeling for me because there's so many freedoms associated with just being a man that are, you know, limitations for women. I'll go to the park with you anytime. Just call me. It's a date. <laughs> Thanks, but you don't look like you can fight, and wow. I definitely can't. So. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, well, we won't even talk about that, and we'll just get into our story today. So, Katina Locklear was a 46-year-old Tuscarora woman and a mother of four daughters that lived in the Saddle Tree community in Lumberton, North Carolina. And this is her sister, Jane Jacobs, describing Katina. Um, you know, my sister, she she was a loving person. Um, I always have such um, regrets because I was raised for part of my life up the road. So I didn't actually meet her until I was like 30. I'm 54 now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't get to, you know, form all those opinions from when you were a kid and you know, all of that stuff, but from the time that I was with her, you know, she was a loving, caring person that family was everything to. So they didn't grow up together and didn't really get to know each other until both Jane and Katina were adults, but it seems like there was a lot of love there. And also, Jane told me that Katina was a very generous and giving person, and that though she had struggled with drugs at one point in her life, she had pretty much kicked the habit well before her death. And here is Jane describing that and also Katina's giving spirit. Yeah, she, my sister, you know, she had had a drug problem at one time, but she had pretty much over, you know, a few years cleaned herself up, you know, quite amazing. We were way proud of her. Um, but then, you know, she had a soft spot for the people on the street um, to be able 
able to help. I mean, I'm the same way. I live in Wilmington, and, you know, we do what we can for the homeless population out here. Right. Um, and so, yeah, she had taking plates of food to them and, you know, doing whatever she can to help and never looked down on them because she had had the same struggle that they were, you know, still fighting. Um, so she never looked down on them, so she would treat them like they were human. Um, and yeah, it got her killed. Wait, she just said, and it got her killed. What does that mean? Okay, so at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, December 20th, 2018, so right before Christmas, a woman's body was found in Pembroke, North Carolina, right in the middle of town, about 100 yards from the intersection of 7th Street and Main Street. Which is just right there from Pembroke Family Practice and Stables Gym. Right, and the body was found right near this bug-infested drainage ditch uh, where there were a lot of frogs, too, and the police didn't know who the body belonged to at first or who who she was but there was actually a missing persons report filed on a woman on that saturday before so on december the 15th and we're not sure if katina was ever reported missing or who that person was who was reported missing but here is jane jacobs again describing when she found out about this body being found in town I was actually um, home that day. I stay in Wilmington. Um, so I had got home from work and stuff and had jumped on Facebook and was looking on Facebook and had seen at about 3 o'clock that somebody said, you know, they found a woman's body in Pembroke. Well, when they said that, you know, it, it was so strange because on, on a normal day, I wouldn't think of my sister. Um, but all of a sudden, it just came to me. I was like, you know, I wonder where Tina is. Um, and then about 8 o'clock that night I got the phone call from my other sister and she told me you know that they found Tina and that she was dead and um you know I started crying hysterically and she just had to hang up she hung up on me because she was the one um they had to make all these phone calls that day and you know Mm -hmm. let everybody in the family know what happened um and she couldn't take hearing anybody else's pain so she had hung up and you know I calmed down some and then was able you know to talk to her a little bit later but um you know my family had driven past her that day not knowing she was there Wow, so she basically read about her sister's murder before even knowing it was her sister. And just the fact that her family drove by too and didn't know, it's just so heartbreaking. I also read that one of the police officers said that he couldn't remember of any murders happening in the Pembroke city limits. And I just, I mean, there was another murder of a native woman in town named Rita Maynard just five months before this and a murder of Susie Oxendine in 2016 also in the town limits so yeah no comment but uh yeah the police actually enlisted the help of the state bureau of investigation in this one and were able to make arrests very quickly and within three days of miss katina's body being found two men were arrested and their names are john edward jacobs and daniel damian brooks and this is what jane said about how they got called that's one thing that you will find out in, in Robinson County, uh, good news or bad news goes very quickly through through the camp. Um, and there were people because they had actually um, asked people, did they want to go and see a dead body? Wow. They really asked people to go see her body? That's disgusting. Man, I tell you what, people, they're just sick. Yeah, and you asked earlier what her sister meant when she said her kindness got her killed. And well, these two men were actually friends with Katina. You heard that right, everybody. They were friends. 
men who she brought food to and cared for, men who she probably loved and spent a lot of time with. And it's also rumored that they were standing by the body with a group of others when the police came on the scene initially. Wow. And who needs enemies when you got friends like that? And what they allegedly did, and we say allegedly because they still have not gone to trial yet, is stab Katina 14 times, cut her throat, and gang raped her. According to the lab results, she'd been sexually assaulted by multiple men, so we're not sure if others were involved as well. And just imagining what she went through, it's just terrible to me. The last face you see is the face of a friend turned into the face of your killer. And I just, I mean, the brutality of this, every single case we cover, it just seems like the killers always go into overkill with Native women, and I can't imagine enduring what she endured. Me either. And these men were her friends, so why did they do this? Well, this is actually where things get even worse. So the day she was killed, she went and brought some homeless people some food. And I don't know if if those homeless people included the two men or not, but apparently somebody had $100 and it went missing. And Katina got blamed for it and she was accused of stealing it. And so the men brutalized and murdered her just because they believed that she had stolen the $100. Brittany, oh my God. No, Chelsea, you don't understand. So it gets even worse. After Katina's death, the person who had lost the $100 found it. They had just misplaced the money. And this is the part, I guess, that I just struggle with so hard. You know, you kill a woman over a stolen $100 that wasn't even stolen. Right. And like, even if she did steal it, like her life is worth more than a freaking $100. Like, I can't believe people would do this to someone over just such a little bit of cash. And Jane said that she really struggles over this. And with the fact that, again, these were Katina's friends. And she says that sometimes she sits and just thinks this. And, you know, I like to sometimes think in my heart, you know, that my sister was friends with these people and she would do what she could for them, you know, to be sure they didn't, you know, want to kill her. And, you know, um, but then when I sit there and I think of what they did, there's no way that you didn't want to do that. You didn't have to do that. Yeah. You could have, you know, kicked their ass and kept going. But no, you chose to, you know, brutalize her and rape her and throw her with freaking like trash on the side of the track oh my God. i hope it haunts them forever i hope that you know um i would never want anything like that to hope that happen to anybody else's family but i hope that why they're in jail and why they're off of the drugs because they're not able to be out on the street that this stuff is haunting and affecting them every day for the rest of their life and i guess that's what i struggle with sometimes like what i was saying at the beginning of the episode like what is justice you know Sure, it's it's catching the bad guy and keeping him from hurting somebody else, but I also think that that haunting that she talked about, like, this is what you took from me and my family, and I want you to think about that for the forever and be haunted by that forever. I have to deal with this loss for forever, and I want you to, too, and not just by being locked up, that's not enough, but by the memory of what you did and who you did it to. And we also learned that one of the men is actually out on bond, which I just don't know how I've feel about that at all and that another one of the men actually murdered someone else in the past but he pleaded insanity back then and got off and he actually plans to use the same defense this time we also learned that the family is pushing for capital murder which is punishable by the death penalty in the state of north carolina 
And you know, we cover these cases every week and it's hard to do, to be honest. And for me, it's a little bit hard on my spirit. And sometimes I'll even dream about the victims. But, you know, I really think so much about how we can move past just reporting these murders and into preventing them from happening in the first place. And it really starts, I think, with our youth. And here's what Jane said about that. And, you know, we need to so much find resources for these kids when they're young. Um, And we're doing something wrong that these kids at, you know, 16, 17, um, in their 20s have no problem shooting and killing somebody. So we're doing something wrong as a society as a whole to our kids that this is, you know, everybody's running around with guns wanting to shoot somebody over $20. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's another thing that I wanted to ask you about because... A lot of times when we report on MMIW, it's always outsiders, or a lot of times it's mm-hmm. outsiders who are killing our women. Mm-hmm. But in Robinson mm-hmm. County, a lot of times the killer is the boy next door. It's somebody who yeah. you, knew, you knew growing up. And so I wanted yeah. to see if you had any comments about that. Yeah, and that that is the huge thing in Robinson County. Um, You know, it's like as much of a close society um, as we are there, um, people don't have a problem about hurting somebody. Um, And and the ways that they go about things now, um, I don't know, I'm 53, I mean 54. Uh, When I was young and you had a problem with somebody, you met down a dirt road somewhere and you fought that crap out and whoever won won shake hands walk away and get on with life now they're like they gotta come back and shoot you later yeah you know if you if you kick their tail or or whatever shoot you there the mess doesn't make any sense um but you know finding programs and things for these kids to do um you know besides you know i I sit back a lot and i see i watch the younger kids as facebook pages and stuff right and it's always sex, drugs, and alcohol. Right. You know, um, we got to find other things for these kids to be doing so, uh, you know, they don't feel like they have to kill somebody. And she also talks about in our county, the sheriff and police are always doing these big drug busts. And, you know, lots of folks get arrested for drugs. And this is what she said. You know, in Robinson County, the only thing they care about is um, catching drug dealers. Hey, that's all fine and good, but there's other crimes going on as well that, you know, I could care less about somebody selling pot three miles from the house. I want to know what happened to my sister. And also, so we haven't reported on this in the past, I don't think, but in 2002, Robinson County Sheriff's Department came under investigation for a series of crimes, including drug trafficking, and uh, a lot of law enforcement were actually arrested. And this is what Jane said about that. So see, what happened was, after all that stuff happened, the federal government made it where Robinson County could not keep the proceeds from drug busts. Okay, so they couldn't keep the money. Every They used to be able to keep the money. When that stuff happened, they weren't able to keep the money anymore. It's just been within the last, um, like, year, maybe two, maybe two years probably, um, that, that what they had put in place is no longer in place. So now Robinson County gets the money for busting the drug dealers. Oh um, so that's why you got the new police cars and the new sheriff cars and this, that, and the other because they're making plenty of money now. Um, and if you don't make money on murder, yeah. um, so, you know, that's like the least of their, their issues right now. Wow. You don't make money on murder. That just explains so much why the focus in our County is on drugs, drugs, drugs. Now I get it. I mean, it brings in cash. 
and cash means more than people. $100 is what got Katina killed. The sheriff's office cares more about seizing drug money than solving murders. And also, if I can just say this, Katina's case got very, very little media attention. She got seven paragraphs in the local newspaper and one quick story on the local news, and that was it. And this is what Jane said about that. She said, If you see a Caucasian that's missing, and the way my sister was brutalized, it would be national attention. It'd be all over every news forum that there was. When it's one of us, nobody cares. When it's one of us, nobody cares. She also told me that when one of our women goes missing, it's us that goes looking. When one of us is killed, it's us that do the reporting. We do what the media and the police refuse to do. Our people have always done this. We will always try to fill the gap, but sometimes the gap is too big. And you know, when Jane was talking about her sister, she also talked about them being Tuscarora. The Tuscaroras are also a tribe here in Robinson County that are relatives of the Lumbee and have kind of a complex relationship with the Lumbee tribe. But Katina said that, you know, Tuscarora women don't go down easy and will fight back. But you know, something has got to be done to protect our women here because as much as we have that fighting spirit, we can only sustain so much. And as we close out this episode, I want us to reflect again on the importance of women in our native culture. Women are the heartbeats of our nation, the pulses of our families. We live and breathe by them. Taking them away from us rips apart a family and thus rips apart our nations. We mentioned earlier that Katina was a mother of four daughters, but we did not mention how she was robbed of the opportunity that so many matriarchs hold sacred of experiencing her newest grandchildren. Even when our grandmothers are gone, though, they are still with us. Mine are still with me. After Katina's death, two of her daughters found out they were pregnant. One of those daughters gave birth to a baby girl, and that baby girl is named Katina. Katina.